The lowest competition I see is during the summer and during the holidays. So this is a really, really crucial time for anyone who wants a new role in the near future, anyone who wants a job search. And by being strategic and thoughtful about your job search and using things like proactive networking and tapping into this hidden job market, you can have an edge against the competition. And this is where, again, we start to get into that really high level strategy. You're listening to the Rich and Hired Podcast with Chelsea Stokes. Chelsea is a former recruiter for one of the top media companies in the world who transitioned her dream job after years of corporate burnout. Today, she's a career coach who has helped hundreds of women all over the world upgrade their careers, lifestyle, mindsets, and bank accounts. Listen in each week as she dives into the unconventional topics that can help you get to the next level of your career and life. Don't forget to rate and subscribe if you love the podcast. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Rich and Hired podcast. I'm super excited to be back, and I don't know if you guys can hear it in my voice, but I'm a little bit hoarse because I was sick for about a week, so we didn't have a podcast drop last week because I (laughs) didn't have a voice, and I literally just like last Wednesday, I'm recording this on the following Wednesday, I I just like could not speak. I <laughs> really had nothing coming out of my voice box. And it's been a crazy month and a half, you guys. I don't know how many of you follow me on Instagram, but my puppy, June, fractured her leg like a month and a half ago. That healing process has been a journey. <laughs> There's been just so much going on in my personal life and business honestly has been the calmest thing of all, but I'm probably going to have to do a episode just going over everything that's going on in my life. I think you guys would find it interesting. So we'll have to do a full deep dive another time, but we're back this week with another episode and I'm excited about this topic because I think it's very misunderstood at the same time. I don't think it's talked about enough and I think that there just needs to be education and awareness around this. And what I'm referring to is none other than the hidden job market. The hidden job market in the simplest terms, and I'm going to break it down for you guys in more detail, but in the simplest terms, it is the time between when a role is available in a company to the time it is officially posted on a job board or a careers website. Now, before we dive into this, I want to be clear that the hidden job market is not like this secret job board that I or other career coaches or other career development resources have access to. Anyone who talks about it like that, I think is very weird and scammy. And I I never want you all to feel like you have to pay someone to get access to a particular job board. That's not at all what this is. This is something that I've seen happen as a recruiter on the back end, and there are strategies that you can implement in order to be the first in line for opportunities. So 
while of course there are ways to invest in your career, getting access to the hidden job market is not something that you need to pay for. Certainly you could pay for coaching or resources to learn how to access it better and improve your networking skills and all that, but it's not like this secret job board. So apparently I found out that people were thinking that, and I don't want anyone listening to this episode and thinking that. So I want to be clear that to my knowledge, there aren't secret underground job boards that people are like posting on and not sharing. That just wouldn't work for recruiters. Recruiters want to get roles filled as quickly as possible. They are putting jobs wherever they can. So it isn't like this secret job board. But I am going to break down what it is and why it happens and how you can take advantage of it in your job search. Because this is something for my clients in my coaching program, CCB, I make about 60 to 70% of their job searches applying and, you know, reaching out for roles and networking for those roles. But the other 30 to 40% of their job search, and of course this varies per person. There are some people where I might have them do this more, but 30 to 40% of their job search is going to be proactive networking, reaching out to people and companies before jobs are posted. And This is something that has really benefited my clients, especially at the end of the year. So I am going to be releasing this podcast at the end of October, and I'm doing that intentionally because this is where I see the hidden job market at its hottest. It is always, always, always really, really apparent at the end of the year. So I'm going to explain why all that happens and, like I said, how to tap into it. So how does the hidden job market happen, right? Like, why is there this thing that is <laughs> hidden, these jobs that you don't know about? So let me explain why. And I, like I said, when I was a recruiter, as some of you know, I'm a former recruiter. I worked at Time Inc. that made Time Magazine, Sports Illustrated, Food and Wine, Instyle Magazine, amazing experience. And it was so incredible getting that recruiting experience and being able to recruit top talent, you know, for Time Magazine. How incredible is that? But what I saw time and time again was this hidden job market. And so basically what happens is, and you have probably even seen this in your companies, someone is leaving a role, right? Maybe someone got another job, Maybe someone is getting let go for performance. Maybe someone is getting promoted. There's all types of reasons why a job opens up. And or, as well, jobs are always, roles are always added to teams. You know, maybe in recruiting, we call this getting an additional headcount. So you get an additional person added to your team, a new role. Maybe there's even a whole new department opening up. But there's jobs opening up in companies all the time. So again, there are various reasons that a job obviously would open up. You guys know that. And depending on those situations, what's going to happen next is that the person who manages that role is going to get connected with human resources. Typically, they're human resources generalist or their human resources business partner or human resources people operations partner. There's like all different types of terms for this, but basically there's always someone that you work with in HR. So long as the company has an HR department that is going to help you while you're an employee. And that HR person is going to help them with a bunch of different things. They're going to help them get connected to the financial team within the company, which 
the financial team within companies has to approve roles and work to decide, okay, how much can we pay this person? You know, do we have the money to be able to bring someone else into this team? You know, what would we pay them? They also partner with the compensation and benefits team within human resources to be able to decide what we're going to pay this person. And compensation and benefits teams essentially are making sure that employees are well-paid, that pay is competitive, that the benefits they're offering are competitive, and, you know, constantly adjusting that. So, Like I said, every department has a financial team they're working with. Everyone has an HR person that they're partnering with. And that HR person is basically being kind of the receiver to manage and figure out, you know, what this role is going to look like. That HR partner will also work to figure out, you know, some of the job duties that that person will do and to really build out what that role is and what it looks like. They may also discuss, you know, should this role report to this person or should it report to this person? And so there's all these things that have to happen, right? HR is involved, finance is involved, compensation and benefits is involved. Very often the head of the department has to approve the role. Sometimes it even has to go higher up to the C-suite, you know, maybe if it's a role in marketing. Sometimes depending on the company, the chief marketing officer has to approve it. So there's all these things that have to happen before the role is even officially approved. And depending on what's going on in a company and how quick people are and who's in the office, this process can take anywhere from a few days to a few months. Like I have literally seen this process take a really, really long time to going really quickly. So you have to think about a hiring manager, right? You have to think about someone who's hiring, someone who has this role available, right? Do you think that they're going to wait days or weeks or months to go out and find the person for this role? I know I wouldn't. I would want someone in that seat ASAP because if there's someone that's, if if someone needs someone hired, if there's a job that's available, there are duties and things and work that's not being done that likely is being done by someone else or the manager or, you know, there's productivity or things that, and projects that need to be implemented that are on hold. So when a hiring manager has a role that needs to be filled, they want to get it filled as soon as possible. And so what I find often happens is that hiring manager, you know, this person's going to be hiring someone, is going to be asking around. They're going to ask their team, hey, spread the word. We have this role that's opening. They're going to reach out to their own personal network. They're going to start to put it out there that, you know, there's a role open. Now, let me be clear that technically hiring managers aren't supposed to do this. And this is something that in HR, we used to have to talk to people about all the time because in theory, it's not fair to have this, right? It's really not fair for recruiting to start on a role before it's officially posted publicly. But you can't control humans, right? And you can't control everything. And naturally, people are going to do this. And I, I completely understand why a hiring manager would want to do this. I would do this too if I was waiting. So this is where the hidden job market happens, right? There is this role that is available, right, for whatever reason. And it's just not officially approved yet, but it's coming down the pipeline is what I often say and what I used to say in recruiting, like it's coming, it's going to be posted soon, it's going to be an official role. It just has to go through that red tape to be able to be officially approved. Now, note as well that even after it goes through all those approvals, 
They decide, okay, we're going to pay this person this amount of money. This is what they're going to do. This is what they're going to report to, blah, 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 blah. It's all approved. Then it has to get assigned to a recruiter. Then the recruiter has to meet with the hiring manager. They have to meet with the hiring manager. The recruiter and the hiring manager meet, and they have to build a job description. The job description has to be posted. That process typically is a little bit quicker, but as a recruiter, you know, sometimes I would get this role that has been approved. And I'd be like, okay, let me reach out to the hiring manager. Sometimes the hiring manager doesn't get back to me for a few days. Or maybe I was out of office. Then we have to meet and chat. We have to work on the job description, make sure it looks good. So even once it gets officially approved and assigned to a recruiter, sometimes it can still take a couple of days or even a week to get posted. Now, as a recruiter, I like to say I was a pretty good recruiter. I was good at my job. I always try to get roles posted pretty quickly. But again, even me doing my due diligence, sometimes it would still take time for those roles to get approved. So that's essentially how the hidden job market happens, right? It's the time between a job being open in a company and the job being officially posted on some job board. So that's what the hidden job market is, right? So the big question is, how do you take advantage of this? And the good news is, is that you can with strategy, with focus, and with really being able to navigate the job market, you can add this to your job search. And it's super, super valuable, especially if you're someone that wants to get into some bigger companies or companies that are more competitive or even smaller companies too, maybe that don't have as many opportunities. You want to kind of be, you know, the first one in line. You can absolutely use these strategies to tap into these amazing opportunities. So to tap into the hidden job market, here is what I teach my clients. So first and foremost, you have to start building your network at ideal companies. What I find for a lot of people that come to me is that their network is rather limited or maybe there's companies they want to work at, but they have no connections. I want you all to know that I've I've literally worked with hundreds of people and a large majority of them have come to me with very limited networks. I would say like 95 to 99% of people come to me with very limited networks. And every single one of them has been able to implement strategies to expand their network at bigger and better companies. So it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what school you went to, it doesn't matter who you know now, anyone can do these strategies and it's easier than ever with digital networking. So I think this is a really big positive about the way the job market has changed and, you know, especially even after COVID, you know, people being more remote, it's just so much easier to network now than ever. And this is a really big positive for job seekers. So the first thing you have to do is to start to identify those ideal companies, the companies that you want to work for. Now, I always encourage my clients to not just always go for those big name companies. I think that I see a lot of people, you know, just go for the brand names that they know. But very often in working with my clients, a lot of them end up at companies that they never even heard about before working with me. And there are a lot of companies out there that might not be as well known that have great workplace culture, great benefits. The first one that comes to mind is one of my clients, Victoria. She works at a small agency as a copywriter and a content strategist. And I remember the team that she works on is very small. I think it's maybe like 10 or 20 people. It's a small agency. But when she first started, she got sick. And I remember she told me that they sent 
like elderberry syrup to her house and something else too. Maybe it was like flowers or cough drops, but like they literally like sent her things to get better to her house. And every year they go on a Disney trip together and the kind of just workplace culture that she has is just like beyond her wildest dreams. And of course it's like a company and an agency she never heard about. Right. So of course, if you're someone that wants to go for, you know, a recognizable company, let's say like Google or Facebook or Nike or whatever it may be, that's great. And I've had plenty of clients go to those companies, but you know, don't forget about those companies. Maybe that you haven't heard about have an open mind. I talk to my clients a lot about beginner mindset, which is, I believe it goes, um, it's a tenant of Buddhism and let me fact check that real quick. Okay, yes, I fact-checked myself. It's from Zen Buddhism. And essentially, it's having an attitude of openness, eagerness, and lack of preconceptions when studying a subject. In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are few. And this is where manifestation ties in. When we start opening ourselves up to possibilities that we didn't really think about or, you know, kind of letting go of that how. But in any case, I just encourage you all, if you are job searching, to just kind of open yourself up to companies that maybe you hadn't thought about or that you don't know about. You just never know what kind of opportunities can come your way when you open yourself up to them. So something to think about. But at the end of the day, you want to find an ideal list of companies. I think 20 to 30 companies is a great goal. Of course, you can expand beyond that. But I think really honing in on companies that you have value alignment with that, you know, are exciting to you is a great place to start in your job search. I'm all about intentional job search strategy. And really what that boils down to is being very intentional about your time and energy. And so when we start to really hone in on, you know, your top, top companies and not just kind of like throw everything out there, you can start to really just find commonalities and patterns in your job search. You can start to focus in on certain industries. Then you can really start to like even optimize your brand. So we really want to limit it to, I would say 20 to 30 max. And this can be a growing list throughout your job search, right? It's not like you need to fill up 20 or 30 in the beginning, but you want to have some companies that you're thinking about. And then what you want to do is you want to find decision makers in the departments that you would like to work at. So this is something that is so much easier to explain visually. It's something I teach my clients about in my course and in my coaching program, but I'm going to explain it to you all in the best way I possibly can from a audio perspective. And essentially, right, let's say that you want to work as a director of marketing at a company, right? Let's just say Microsoft, for example. So what I would do and what I would teach my clients is to go on LinkedIn, the Microsoft LinkedIn page, and go to the people tab. So there's a tab on every company's LinkedIn page that has a list of all the employees that work there. And what you can do is in that people tab is type in different search terms to be able to find different departments and people that work in those different departments. So every company has a different organization 
organizational structure, of course. So at a company like Google, for example, there are a lot of layers in terms of the positions and who reports to who. Where at a smaller company, you know, you might report to the chief marketing officer. Who the heck knows, right? So what I teach my clients is generally kind of how to get a sense in looking and putting in different search terms what the structure of those departments are and who you might report to. So a director of marketing wouldn't typically report to a senior manager, let's say. They're more likely going to report to a senior director or a vice president or something like that. Or like I said, maybe maybe you know, a head of marketing or a chief marketing officer if it is at a smaller company. And so we basically want to find that sweet spot of who's the person that would be hiring you and or who is the person or people that would be involved in the hiring decision. So when I'm saying decision makers, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people that are making hiring decisions. A big mistake I see people make in job searching is that they only network with peers or people that work in a company. So let's say you want to work at Microsoft and you have a connection there. That's great. And I think with connections that you make for people that aren't decision makers, getting referrals is a really great way to elevate your job search. And when I was a recruiter, I would often look at the referrals just because when when you have a referral as a recruiter, basically that person has already gone through one round of vetting already, right? We already know that they are, you know, (laughs) at least vetted by one person in the company. So there's a higher likelihood that they're someone that's going to fit into that company. So referrals and recruiters can filter by this stuff, by the way. You know, if someone submits you for a referral, they can say, okay, who are all the referrals for this job? And look at those. So that is a great use of, you know, connecting with other people in a company. But ultimately, if you connect with someone, you know, who's maybe below that role or not involved in hiring decisions or even in a different department, they're not going to have as much power to help you get hired in that company as someone, let's say, right, that is going to be above you, right? If you can get connected to someone that is either your future potential boss or someone that is making hiring decisions for that role, then you have a much better chance of getting an interview and even more so getting an offer. So when my clients are looking to tap into the hidden job market, what we're doing is we're building those connections with decision makers. Now, certainly you can build connections with recruiters as well. But like I said earlier, technically recruiters aren't supposed to be recruiting until roles are officially approved. So they are less likely to you know, have conversations with candidates about roles. You certainly can try to connect with recruiters, but you have to keep in mind recruiters have so many candidates to keep track of. Like when I was a recruiter, I would have 20 to 30 plus roles I was recruiting on and I would have, you know, let's say at least five people for each of those roles that I was interviewing. So even just say let's 20 times five, that's a hundred people that I'm keeping track of, right? So they just have candidates like rolling around in their head all day long. Whereas a decision maker, right, they're hiring for one role or maybe a few roles, let's say, but in this case, an example, let's say they're hiring for one role, right? So they have more of your attention for hiring and they're the ones that are making hiring decisions. I think this is a big misconception. Recruiters don't make hiring decisions. 
decision makers make hiring decisions. Your future potential boss is going to decide who they're ultimately going to hire. Recruiters are simply partners with hiring managers. They are the ones that are guiding them through the recruiting process, trying to get them the best talent, teaching them how to interview, you know, helping them to evaluate candidates, but they're not the ones that are making the decision. Certainly a hiring manager might ask a recruiter's opinion, but they are not the ones that are making the hiring decisions, recruiters. So that's why we want to get in touch with those decision makers. And what I find time and time and time again is this is so valuable for my clients, not only with the hidden job market, but also after they'd apply to jobs, we also do networking, which that could be a whole nother episode. So when you are able to start building these connections, what you're going to do and what I teach my clients to do is I prefer for my clients to reach out on email over LinkedIn for a few reasons. Number one, LinkedIn is a tool that not everybody is checking every day, but everyone is checking their email inbox every day. So, you know, even when I was a recruiter, I wouldn't check my email inbox, uh, my LinkedIn, excuse me, not my email. I would check my email every day. I wouldn't check my LinkedIn every day. And I was in LinkedIn pretty frequently. Think about, you know, when you aren't job searching, how frequently do you check LinkedIn? Really not everyone's in their LinkedIn messages and it's just so easy for you to get lost. Also, you have to send a connection request and you always want to send one with a note. And then you got to like send them, they have to accept it. And then you have to send them a message after that, unless you have LinkedIn premium. It's so much easier to send an email and it is much, much easier. I think that people think to find email formats online. This is something I teach my clients about and just take some finessing, but you can literally search like company name, email format on Google. There are other things I teach my clients, which again, this could help you. This is like a whole nother topic, but you can find email formats for companies. There are four different formats I typically see used within companies. And so you can find emails pretty easily if you know someone's name, right? You found them on LinkedIn, get that email format and then send them an email. Now, sometimes when I talk about this, people are like, oh, am I going to be feel, are people going to feel weird that I'm reaching out to them? Am I, you know, I'm asking them for a job, blah, 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 blah. Okay. This is what I typically say about that. Number one is with networking, I encourage you to think of it like a two-way street. So with networking, you have something to offer a company, right? If they happen to have a job available, then you are going to be able to fill that need for them. This is especially, especially true when you are applying for a role. So networking becomes, I think, even easier when there's a job on the line. But when you're proactively networking, right, when you're reaching out, when there's not a job posted and trying to tap into the hidden job market, you are connecting with someone for future potential opportunities. And I know that it's hard to believe this and practice, but once you start doing this effectively and you start getting results, you're like, oh my God, people are actually way more willing to chat with me than I thought. And again, if we're reaching out to those decision makers and we're poising you as a great candidate for their team in the future, again, you are then bringing value to them. And if we're reaching out to the right people and we're showing them that value that you could bring to that team, that is... Mm, that is chef's kiss. That is really like high level job search strategy. And that's where you start to get in 
to getting really amazing roles. So certainly the content of those emails is important. We're not just like, hey, talk to me. It's like, hey, I found your information on LinkedIn. I would really love to chat about opportunities on your team. Here's how I think I could bring value to your team. You would obviously explain that and then asking them for an informational interview. So the goal essentially is to build connections with these decision makers, to have conversations. And there are deeper strategies as well in terms of informational interview strategies, which will also probably have to be another episode. But you definitely want to go into any conversations that you have informationally, you know, really, again, getting information about what they may look for, poising yourself as an ideal future candidate, seeing if they are hiring in the future, you know, really trying to get some intel and, of course, establishing a human to human connection with that person. So I mentioned earlier that this happens, you know, at this time of year. So I do want to talk a little bit about that. But I know this is a complex topic, so if you guys have questions, you can always feel free to DM me on Instagram. But essentially what we've gone over so far, right, is why the hidden job market happens and how to tap into it. So just to recap so far, the hidden job market happens when we have roles that are coming down the pipeline. The way that you can tap into that is with proactive networking, reaching out to decision makers, people who are making hiring decisions before jobs are posted at ideal companies and building connections through strategic informational interviews, right? So that's what we've covered so far. So now let's talk about why this happens at the end of the year in particular. So again, I'm releasing this episode at the end of October and typically from October through December, I see a lot of my clients saying like, Hey, I got a hidden job market opportunity or someone told me a role is going to be opening up soon. And this is why I believe this happens based on my experience. So quarter one that starts in January, January through March, right? We have four quarters in a year, Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. January through March is quarter one, April through June is quarter two, July through September is quarter three, and October through December is quarter four. So quarter one is typically the start of the fiscal year for most companies, not all. Some start could start their fiscal year in March, and I'll talk more about that in a second, but a lot have their fiscal year starting at the beginning of the year. And what that means is the company and departments have the most amount of money to spend on hiring. So as the year goes on, right, you kind of see what revenue looks like and what's happening in the world and in the economy. And often throughout the year, hiring budgets can get slashed. You know, maybe they said you were going to, you know, told someone, hey, we were going to let you hire this role, but now it's July and actually we didn't make as much as we thought. So you're not actually going to get that role or we're going to delay it till next year, whatever it might be. Right. So in January, I see this big, what I call the Q1 hiring wave. I see a lot of hiring happening in January and certainly it extends into February as well. And even into March. So it's a really great time to job search. But what I find is that from October to December, that hiring managers are starting to recruit for those roles. So right now I have had multiple clients in multiple industry tell me, as my clients do every year this time of year, hey, I got an interview for this opportunity, but 
you know, it's not opening up until later this year, or, Hey, I talked to this person informationally and they said they're going to have a role in a few months. And so now my clients are poised as the first in line for these opportunities, right? Which is amazing for them, right? Because they are proactively networking. And so at this time of year, the people that are going to plan and strategize and build these connections now are the people that are going to benefit the most in January. What I find a lot of people do is they delay their job searches till after the holidays, you know, new year, new me. Of course, we all want to start fresh in the new year. Who doesn't, right? But if you haven't made a plan and a strategy, you know, from as simple as updating your resume and your LinkedIn to, you know, more as more complex as, you know, really getting a fine-tuned job search plan and direction and strategy, a lot of people in January are just like throwing stuff at the wall and everyone's applying to everything and no one has strategy. And the people that stand out are the people who made those connections beforehand, the people who are strategic and intentional about the jobs they're applying to. And that's exactly what I teach and what I coach on and what I always try to promote, right? So I see the hidden job market at all different times of the year. You know, hiring is happening all the time. But like I said, I see it so frequently from October through December. And so for anyone who thinks that hiring doesn't happen around the holidays, you know, I hear this as well, like hiring doesn't happen around the holidays or the summer. That is just not true. I was a recruiter. It's not just like I sat back and kicked my feet up for the summer or for the holidays. I remember I was actually in the office like on January 26th, a few years. So, you know, if a hiring manager has a job that needs to be filled, they're going to want to get that filled. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. Now, certainly I would say in the summer and in the holidays, it could take longer for someone to get back to you because they might just be out of the office more taking vacations and things like that. So interview process processes sometimes take a little bit longer, but it's not just like hiring stops. And even more so, if you're someone that's job searching from now until December, a lot of people, like I said, are delaying their start date. So opportunities that are available even now, you know, you don't, you don't have to wait till Q1 to get an opportunity. I had two clients accept offers literally like last week and the week following. You can absolutely get offers now and have low competition. The lowest competition I see is during the summer and during the holidays. So this is a really, really crucial time for anyone who wants a new role in the near future, anyone who wants a job search. And by being strategic and thoughtful about your job search and using things like proactive networking and tapping into this hidden job market, you can have an edge against the competition. And this is where, again, we start to get into that really high level strategy. So I hope this episode was helpful to you. I love talking about the hidden job market and I really just wanted to educate you all on, you know, what this is and really, you know, what goes into it. So like I said, to recap that hidden job market, those are those roles that are coming down the pipeline. You can tap into them through the proactive networking and reaching out to decision makers. And this time of year from October to December is where we really, really see the hidden job market cropping up a lot more. But again, you can tap into it at any time. And I always encourage my clients to make this a part of their job search, no matter what. So thank you all so much for tuning in today. As always, if you are enjoying the podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe. 
I love to hear from you guys as well. I know some of you have sent me messages on Instagram and LinkedIn. Let me know how, how you're liking the podcast. So please feel free to keep sending those messages. I love to hear from you guys. And I am super excited for next week's episode too. I'm, I'm going to be recording that next. So <laughs> I will see you guys next time and have a beautiful rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon.